Hello, everyone. It is Kevin Henry. I'm the editor-in-chief for DrByCuspid.com. Honored today to be joined by Chip Fishner, who is the co-founder and principal of Large Practice Sales. Chip, how are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on. I'm really excited to talk to you today about what's going on out there whenever it comes to practice sales and kind of the market. But before we dive into that, I'd love for our audience to know a little bit more about you. Absolutely. Well, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 40 some odd years and stumbled into dental about a dozen years ago. And uh, we've built large practice sales into the largest advisor in the country. We are fortunately bigger than our next five competitors combined. And that's because we did one thing different when we started it seven years ago. We said, we're only going to be compensated by doctors, not by buyers. And when you only represent doctors, uh, you manage to get them higher values and thus build your reputation. That's fantastic. And and I'm curious, whenever you talk to, to doctors about selling their practice, how do you kind of get them started down the path? Because it's obviously something that a lot of them have never done before. So how do you make sure that they kind of have their ducks in a row before you really start taking over and helping them? You know, we really specialize in doctors who don't want to sell their practices. We partner our clients with what we call invisible dental support organizations, and we'll define that in a second. But invisible DSOs want to become your silent partner by buying anywhere between 51 and 80% of a practice for cash up front. Doctors retain ownership in the balance and continue to lead their practice with their brand, their team, their strategy, and full autonomy for years or decades. You know, one of the major changes we've seen in the last three years is the number of younger doctors that are partnering with invisible DSOs. In our billion dollars of transactions in the last 24 months, over $150 million of those transactions were for doctors in their 30s. So this is not a retirement strategy. It's not selling. It's not a transition. It's not an exit. It's a partnership where independent dentists can benefit from the resources of a larger partner, but not be homogenized to fit some sort of corporate standard, not be micromanaged and continue to run their practice, but do it with the support of some, somebody bigger. And and those support services are getting more and more relevant. We have, for instance, a client, uh, on the East Coast that does $4 million in collections, it's all insurance-based, and his new partner is getting reimbursed by those same payers at a 20% higher rate. So the profitability of his practice this year, because he just partnered with them, will grow by about $800,000 just because his new partner uh, has leverage and has been able to get more money out of the insurance company. So that's just one of the benefits of, of a partnership, but this is this is not a sale or an, or an exit. And that's great to know because I think that's a completely different way than a lot of folks look at what we call practice transitions or whatever it might be. But you touched on the invisible DSO, and obviously we're familiar with the DSO concept, but maybe not so much with the invisible side of things. So tell me a little bit more about that. You know, it's interesting. There are far more invisible DSOs in the U.S. than there are what most doctors think of as a DSO, maybe the Aspens or the Pacific Dentals, there are over a thousand invisible DSOs operating in the U.S. today, but most doctors have never heard of them because their business model is a little different. They, they don't try and rebrand your practice or homogenize it to fit some corporate standard. They want to become your silent partner 
And uh, the invisible DSOs are growing far faster than the branded DSOs. And that's because so much capital has been invested in the invisible DSOs. In just the last two years, there's been over $10 billion of new capital invested in invisible DSOs, not the branded DSOs. Hmm. And so fortunately, that has um, kept the values at new records. We achieved new record values for our clients uh, in the last quarter of last year. Everybody seems to think higher interest rates and political nonsense and wars uh, would impact values. But fortunately, with so much new capital that's come into the game, uh, values are hitting records and our clients have a record number of bidders to choose from. Because, because this is a partnership, it's really all about figuring out who you want to spend the rest of your career with. And that may be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So you have to choose wisely. And again, there are a thousand of them out there. We consider less than a hundred of those to be qualified to bid on our clients. I know we're still early in 2024, but I'm curious, what are some trends that you see maybe carrying over from 2023 that doctors should know about and maybe they don't right now? Um, you know, it's interesting in that the independent dentists uh, are under pressure from rising costs, flat reimbursement rates, recruiting challenges. And fortunately, all of those things can be helped with an invisible DSO partner. You know, they're not going to rebrand your practice. They're not going to tell you what to do, but they are going to say, hey, we're getting reimbursed at rates 10 to 20% higher than you are. We're paying 30% less than you are for supplies and team benefits. And uh, we're set up to be able to adopt the new technology. Things like uh, diagnostics with AI are going to ultimately become a standard of care. And so uh, Heartland, for example, Heartland, who is the largest DSO in the country, um, is uh, adopting AI across all of its 1,700 practices. And so doctors today not only have the challenges of recruiting and people and, and inflation, but they've got to keep up with the new technology that's coming down the road because it's coming fast. You know, one thing that I, I hear from dentists all the time is obviously they love to do the clinical side of things, but it's everything else. It's the, the staffing. It is the uh, looking ahead to the future, the business side of things that often they're not as comfortable with. And it feels like from what you're telling me that this is where a partnership with somebody like large practice sales really comes into play. Yeah, the, you know, interestingly, pretty much all of the invisible DSOs, no matter which one you choose, um, are going to take over banking, accounting, payroll, benefits, benefits administration, compliance, credentialing, tax, legal, IT support, and vendor and payer negotiations. They're not going to tell you what supplies to use, but they will tell you how to get them cheaper, as an example. Uh, so the, the invisible DSOs are designed to enable doctors to focus on leading their teams and clinical care and growth. Uh, they want to take the administrative minutia off the backs of the doctors, give them more time with their families, and more time to focus on providing better care. Are you seeing that that's something that is more important to this next generation of dentists and dental team members that are coming into the practice? Yeah, that, that that's an interesting point in that, um, you know, in the old days when a doctor was interested in selling or transitioning, they would sell to another doctor and they'd work for some short period of time and then they would head off to uh, greener golf courses. Um, the reality is today that model's getting tougher because interest rates being up 
And the number of young doctors that are joining invisible DSOs directly out of school or DSOs um, is going up. So the old doc-to-doc exit transaction um, is getting tougher. Um, And the interesting thing is, in our world, and, and to qualify to partner with an invisible DSO, you have to be a bigger practice. You have to have at least a million and a half dollars in collections, and you have to have certain profitability. But when you qualify, the values that we achieve for our clients are not 70 to 100% of collections like you might see in a doc-to-doc transaction. We've done transactions in the last six months where the practices were valued at five times collections. Now, that's not normal, but I don't think we've done a GP practice uh, where it wasn't valued at at least 150% of collections in years. So the values are different uh, because the practices are bigger. Is there, a, is there a, and I hate to use the word perfect, but a perfect time for somebody to look at partnering with an invisible DSO? Is it earlier in their career, later in the career? When are you seeing more people reach out to you? You know, the, the younger doctors um, are obviously doing more transactions right now, meaning they're, they are deciding that they want an invisible DSO partner. But what I urge every doctor to do is to understand this concept because you're either going to join one or compete with many, and you need to understand them if for no other reason than to compete over the next 10 or 15 years because they have resources that independent doctors don't have, and they're in your community today. You don't know it because they didn't rebrand the practice that they partnered with, but you need to understand, and, and I suggest doing that day one and follow along uh, because it's it's growing. You know, the ADA says 13% of all dentists uh, have partnered with or sold to a DSO, and in ortho, it's 18%. Uh, you're seeing a rapid growth in, in the consolidation of specialties at the moment. Uh, oral surgeons, for instance, are the most rapidly consolidating of all practice types because of their recruiting challenges. So, I urge every doctor, have a conversation with me. Uh, That's all I do every day is talk to doctors because I learn something from every doctor I talk to. And so there's there's an opportunity for a doctor to have a conversation with me, go through our evaluation process, which is free and without obligation. And worst case, you're going to learn something. Uh, We've had multiple doctors who've gone through that process. And I said, your expenses are out of control. You have too many people. Why don't you take a look at your expenses and call me in a year? Let's see if we can get something done for you. And so it's always an educational process for every doctor, and it's free. Why not? Why would you not? And and I love that. And obviously, we're going to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But I'm curious, whenever you're talking to these doctors, whenever they call you up, and and maybe it is the no, not right now, these are the steps that need to be done. Is the economic side of things one of the biggest things that needs to be molded before they're actually ready to take this step? Is it the staffing side? Uh, I'm curious, what what does somebody need to kind of have in place before they're really ready to do this? You know, that's an interesting question. And, and one of the things that I've learned over the years is how different every single practice is. And each one operates differently. And you know, most of them have ways that they can improve their practices a lot of it is cost control. Um, doctors who have loyal teams, those loyal teams get more costly every year. And so they end up paying people out of market in a lot of cases. And they do that because they have loyal team members and team turnover is an important metric in determining practice value. But there's a, a fine line there between 
overpaying for great team members and having too many great team members. So a, a lot of it is is a study in labor costs. Um, you got to make sure you're not overstaffed, nor are nor do you want to be understaffed. You know, uh, supplies costs are not a huge portion of most practices expenses, but many doctors have not gone through the process of bidding out their supplies uh, costs. And they could. Another area that we're seeing a lot right now is doctors who have not raised their fees. Now, I get that you can't raise your fees when you're predominantly an insurance practice because the the payer is going to tell you what they're going to pay. However, I talk to a lot of fee-for-service practices that haven't raised their fees in the last three years. And there's a big opportunity for profit growth right there because, like it or not, the consumer knows that costs are going up and a dental practice that's predominantly fee-for-service probably can get away with a 10 to 15% fee increase and increase their bottom line dramatically. Um, and certainly you don't want get it to get out of market. You don't want to lose patients, but it shocks me how many practices have not raised their fees substantially in the last three years, even though your grocery bill's gone up 25% since Biden's been in office. So it's time to raise your fees if you have so I know one thing that I, I hear so often is that dental practices are looking to get out of PPO networks. They're looking to drop insurance. There, there's a lot of buzz about that right now. Does that have any impact on how you all work with a practice? No, it really doesn't. I had a doctor ask me that last week. A doctor from Dallas was very proud that he was fee-for-service completely. And he said, I assume I will get a higher value because of that. And I said, generally, that would be true. But when I have a practice that's $4 million in collections and insurance and their new partner is getting reimbursed at a 20% higher rate, that practice is going to bring a big number because the new partner knows that they can increase the profitability in that practice by $800,000 just in the first year because of their negotiated contracts. So today, being a PPO is not necessarily a bad thing if you can find a partner who's negotiated better reimbursement rates than you're getting. And I know I've just scratched the surface with questions. I know you get so many. And I know, as you said, you're talking to doctors every day about this. So I want to make sure, what are some things that maybe we didn't touch on that you want to make sure is out there? And also, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you, how to learn more about large practice sales, et cetera. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're easy to reach because we are largepracticesales.com. And uh, I like to think we have an educational website and the ability to set up a call with me to have a conversation about your practice. You know, one of the fun things that we do is we get to operate nationally. We've done transactions in 29 states in the last 24 months with 30 some odd different invisible DSOs. So we've got a pretty good idea of the landscape. And so if you're in South Bend, Indiana, I can give you a pretty good idea of which practices have joined invisible DSOs there and you may not know about it. So it, it, it's kind of a fun process to understand where a doctor is. And I can oftentimes give him some information on what's going on in his community, his or her community. Uh, so, you know, go to largepracticesales.com, uh, take a look at our information and set up a call with me. Let's have a conversation. Worst case, you're going to learn something. I promise. <laughs> well, I know I learned something today, so... Chip, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for being on. And obviously, uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, how things go in 2024 for large practice sales. I know it'll be another successful year. I think it's going to be a successful year for all dentists this year. That's fantastic news right there. Chip, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great week. 
And thanks to all of you who listen to this episode of the DoctorByCuspid.com podcast. Absolutely. Please check out largepracticesales.com. And I look forward to seeing you next time here on the DoctorByCuspid.com podcast.